Okay, we're into Ephesians and we're finishing Ephesians today. I'm really excited about it. If you have your Bibles and want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, that's where we are. And we're going to finish this amazing letter. And it's a continuation of last week. I've called this Still Standing Part 2 because it's, it's picking up right in the middle of a sentence that started in verse 10 and goes all the way through verse 20. And we made it only kind of halfway through one sentence last time. So we're going to pick up and get hopefully the message. But here's the thing. I look out at the world, and I don't know if you do or not, but you probably do, and the world is just broken. Like, there are things wrong. I was at a funeral yesterday. You know, death just seems wrong. The relationships that we have, and then someone dies, and they're gone. It's even worse. Like, I was in residency and, and, and came to deliver a baby, and the baby was born dead. That just seems wrong. And then there's injustices out there, you know. We've seen a lot of them and people even in our society talking about different injustices and, and, and real injustices that happen. And then sometimes wrongness happens to me or you. I mean, I, I try and live a good life, and then, but, but the person that doesn't do good things, they're all getting ahead, and I'm like going nowhere. This whole psalm in the Bible, Psalm 73, about that. It just seems like bad people get ahead and poor, good people don't. I mean, or even people who are so focused and, 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 and get what they want, and like Solomon, and then he goes to Ecclesiastes, like everything's just sort of like worthless. Vanity, he says. There's something wrong. And, and we've talked about and think about and you think about different ways. And my desire is to make things right. I have a good desire in me to go correct wrongs and be good and do all this stuff. And, and it doesn't ever really work out that well. And so we come to this Bible and it has a message for us. And the message is, is unusual. And I hope you've caught it being in Ephesians with me. It's not, it's not a pathway because there's kind of two pathways. The pathway that I kind of want to be on is me getting things under control and making this world a better place and kind of climbing the ladder so that with it everything becomes better. Like we can make America better. I'm an American. Most people in here probably are. I love the Declaration of Independence. We are independent people. We stand on our own two feet. We get things done. We go get, I mean, we are aimed that way, and, and, and our world works that way. And then there comes this other message, though. And it's been in Ephesians. It's the message of the gospel. It's a message of dependence. And it fights the very ground that I, 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 in my own heart, I want to be. I want to be getting better and being the guy and, and, and getting it all and making our world a better place and, and making everybody better. And I want that and it's good. But over here comes this different pathway that says, you know what really life is about is dependence. And in fact, the only hope that you and I have is around this concept of dependence. It's hard for my flesh. I don't like it, but we started looking at this mostly last week with this idea of standing because Paul ends this amazing letter in Ephesians. He's gone over three chapters of amazing work of God for you. He loves you so much. And then these several chapters of the response, five walks that you actually walk in and do because of the gospel. And then though he ends, the culmination of it, the landing, the airplane landing, 
is that you're just standing there. Not doing something. Just standing. And as this life, and we look out at this life, and we see the injustice, and I think, I've got to get a, an action committee together to go right this wrong, because we do see wrongs. But the reality is, the, the approach we have as Christians is that, no, not that it's not good to go do something, it might be. But my underlying heart is that you and I are just standing. Now, I shouldn't say just because we're standing with stuff on. That's what we looked at last time, right? So we started this idea that we're decked out. And I know, I know, Mandalorian, whatever. But, but, but really, that's just an idea to say we have armor on that we don't even see. And it's armor not that we make or craft. It's not that you know how to go get this armor or find it or go on a treasure. It's been given to you and me. And our whole thinking is, I just have it on. So we did this last week. Let me really fast go through it in verse 14. He says, stand therefore, Paul writes. He says, stand having fastened on. You've already done it. The belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And then in all circumstances, taking up the shield of faith, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So we talked a lot about this last week. I won't belabor it, but you got to build the picture. And the idea is not that we are in our strength tackling something. The idea is it's simply amazing that you stand. The enemies that you have are so vast, are so powerful that the only way, and, and you don't see them, you, you have such poor eyesight. I do too. That the only way we exist is that we stand protected by God. And so this idea of the belt of truth is the belt of the truth of this word, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who loves us with an unbounding love, he has come for us. And we put that on like it's true, and it covers our legs. It protects us. So when someone comes and says, you know what? God doesn't really love you. No, I've got the belt of truth on. He does. Yeah, but you sinned. I saw you do that. No, he adores me. It's my protection from the accusation of the world. Oh, but this terrible thing happened to you. God must really not like you. Nope. The truth is not. And and then I have on this breastplate, you and I do. We're just standing there with this breastplate. And it's it's not my good deeds. It's not my righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ for me. Someone says, you're not very good. I said, amen, brother but I'm covered by someone else's goodness. Like the prodigal son, when he, he finally came to his low and he came running back to the dad and says, I'll just be his servant. No, the dad comes out and says, hey, put a robe on him. Put a, put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. My stuff for him. And so you and I have God's stuff. And when someone says you're not good enough, I say, amen, I'm not. But in Christ, I shine. You do too. This is our armor, right? Given by God. And so we're just standing there with this idea of we're protected from the darts and even the, the massive power of these powers that accuse us rightly except what God's done. And, and then we saw the, 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 the sandals, right? And the sandals aren't that you run. The sandals are the, the readiness that the gospel of peace gives. This reality that you and I know. We know without a shadow of doubt. What do I know? I have peace with God. And I can tell you, you've got peace with God. 
Even though, if I followed you around with a video camera, I'd probably find some ways in which you shouldn't deserve peace with God. God says don't sin, and look at you go. But what do I know? My sandals, my God, I'm ready already that I've been given the gospel of peace because I have it so I can stand against people who accuse me and say, you know what? No, God gave his peace to me. What's his name? The peace of God. Jesus. He is our peace. He's broken down every wall. So I know I got peace with God because of Christ. So that, and then, and then finally, the last week we looked at this shield that we put on. It's a shield of faith. And it's not, oh, you, you, tr- it's, it's the reality that you do trust in not your own works, your own activities, your own self, but you trust in what God in Christ has done for you. And so when those accusations like flaming arrows come at you saying you don't deserve and you don't haven't done enough and this isn't right and oh, look at these terrible circumstances that are in your life must be that God's against you. All of them go because you trust something. You trust that you're forgiven. It is finished. He did it. And so I got that trust. And so this is the description Paul is giving of us and what actually protects us as opposed to what we think we should be. I start to think I should be all armored and putting stuff on and getting stuff done. And instead, the reality is I'm just standing here trusting that God in Christ has done it all. So we started this sentence and the sentence goes on. And so here's the next thing says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, stop there with me, because these are also just amazing concepts that go right along with our picture. So you say, okay, I got these four things on, and now here's the fifth thing is the helmet of salvation. So, again, you have this on, this helmet of salvation that's on your head. You go, well, what is that? Well, salvation is a gift of God to you. Right, So this concept of salvation is how are you saved? And we know how we're saved. I'm saved by grace alone and faith alone, by Christ alone, all the solas, right? That's how I'm saved. So that's on my head. It goes, it covers your brain where you think, where you have your logical processes. Put salvation there, he says. Jesus Christ is our salvation. So this very real sense that each of these pieces is a reference to our union with Christ. But actually, so the idea is we're standing and Jesus is protecting us. Our only hope to stand in this world that's under the sway of the devil isn't pulling it together, isn't accomplishing justice, isn't getting somewhere. Though all of those impulses might be very good because we look out at this world and see how bad it is. Our only hope is that we are We'd be squished otherwise. We're standing protected. That's why baptism is so important. We did it last week because it declares to you and me that we are in Christ. The base of our salvation is the union we have with Jesus in his death, in his resurrection. My salvation isn't this logical, thought-out progression of good things that I do for God. My salvation is just, uh uh-oh. My salvation is just... uh, what he's done for me. I break the cup, but he still loves me. 
You put that on your head. And here comes this accusation. The accusation comes in. You're not saved. You haven't repented enough. You haven't improved enough. You haven't served enough. You haven't done enough. And it doesn't get in your head because the armor is salvation's a gift of God in Christ to you. And so I think that way, and you can't take it away from me, no matter what may come, no matter if my child has trouble, no matter if my job is lost, no matter what comes health-wise to me, I have this reality, no, God in Christ has saved me. I can stand. Okay, and then this last piece, because you've got leather covering your legs, that's this belt of truth. You've got this breastplate on your chest, that's the righteousness of Christ for you. You've got... What else you got? You got the shoes, the sandals, these amazing sandals of peace, the gospel, and amazing peace given to you by God. You've got your salvation on your head, and now this sword of the Spirit that you've got in your hand. The picture Paul paints. Amazing. Let's look at it a little bit more closely. What is it? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay, well, a lot of people say, okay, finally, finally something that we do because there it is, this sword, and the sword's an offensive weapon. You can actually take the sword and go fight, and so let's train up these arms to be stronger so that we can use the sword to go fight the devil. It's time to get moving. This is still part of standing. It's not your sword. It's the sword of the Spirit, the Spirit's sword. Right? It's the Spirit, and the Spirit is the one going out. The Spirit's the only offensive weapon you have. The Spirit is the only way that this world will get changed in a way that matters is the Holy Spirit's going to take a sword. It's, and you've got it there. It's part of your weaponry. But how do you use it? What is it? You realize it's one of the main thoughts of all of Ephesians, and I hope you know this. I hope you know this if you're a Christian here today. You've got the Holy Spirit inside you. Chapter 5, you're filled with the Spirit. Thinking back to chapter 1, you're sealed with the Spirit. The Spirit's your guarantee. We've got the Holy Spirit. So, so then, if I'm standing here going, the main event of my life is, is this idea that God in Christ has me. And I kind of gave my thing away already, saying it's about dependence. And then I've got this sword. Paul paints it. You're just standing there totally protected and with a sword. But it's the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. So this is the part of what God's actually doing in the world. And it's the Spirit's work, not yours. And right here, connected to the word of God, I mean, there's a lot of made of this, but, but it's, the word is kind of a funny word because we think the word of God and we think something called the written word of God, like it's the Bible and it's all the instructions of the Bible and it's the thoughts of the Bible. And so we can pick any verse of the Bible and that's the sword and here's your sword and people do sword drills. But wait, this word is, is a different word. The written word of God is logos. It's not just a Bible software company. It's this word is not that word. This word is rima. What's rima? Rima is the spoken word. The spoken word of God, the proclamation of the word. What is Paul thinking about? I don't think he's thinking about get the precepts of God and go study them in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 24. He's talking about the spoken word that goes out by the Spirit. To speak what? To speak what the Spirit speaks, which is about who? The word who is Jesus. 
right? Jesus is the only, Jesus is the only standard I have. Jesus is the only thing that protects me. Jesus is my armor, <laughs> everything. And so the, the, the getting out of Jesus is the proclamation of the word, the speaking of the gospel. That's what he's saying. This word of God is the message of the Bible, which is the person of Christ. It, it includes the message of the law, which condemns self-righteousness, which, and, and of the gospel, which is the righteousness of another. Why is this so important? Why am I going here? Why am I putting this before you? Because my thinking is that I'm supposed to be armored so that I can get out there and fight. And if I tell you, okay, Christian soldier, go fight, you think, what? Well, I'm going to start filling up a basket full of good stuff I do for God. I'm going to start making sure all the things I do get I'm a big pile of good things because I think that's my fight is to try and get better. And, and here's the gospel instead and Paul instead writing and saying, no, the idea is you're so dependent. Is God at work? We are the people in this room. You are the person today who beyond all of your eyesight are affirming with me, Jesus Christ is real. And you know what? God is at work. Well, that means you've got to get to No. No, do you really think God's at work? Do you really believe the Holy Spirit's at work? Do you actually trust that God is able to accomplish what he wants to accomplish? Are you actually dependent totally on God and not on you? Because that's the fight, right? It's not, oh, let's get an action group together and go do something in our strength and build a tower. Let's call it the Tower of Babel. But do we trust God in Christ by the amazing, mysterious, I don't even understand it, proclamation of his word? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, that the Holy Spirit is using the proclaimed truth of Jesus to accomplish in people's hearts what he wants. And I would testify to you that that's what happened to me. Holy Spirit got into my life, opened my eyes, started accomplishing what he wanted. And if someone's going to accomplish in your life or in your life or in your life or in your life, it's the word of God, which is the truth, getting into your heart so that your desires change and your very existence changes because all of a sudden you realize I'm so dependent on the word of God, on Jesus I have no hope except if he saves me. I have no righteousness except for his righteousness. I have no salvation except his salvation. I've got nothing, but I do have Jesus. How do I know? I heard it. The Holy Spirit, that's the sword. Goes into the world, it gets done what he wants. That's what he's saying. This is the weapon that we have to influence and impact the proclaiming of the word, which is the message of the gospel spoken to people. It's great, and it's a good thing, and I love that we feed people. I love that we help people get housing. I love that we care for people. I think loving people is part of the Bible. We need to do it. But the word of God is the word of Jesus that gets into your heart and gives you those desires. It's so amazing. And the only... The only hope we have is that the Spirit works. And I'm so dependent on it. So that, that's, that's where I want to go, and I want to talk to you a little bit about what it means to be dependent. And I, I'll tell you, I hate that word. I shouldn't say hate. It's bad from the pulpit. Okay, I really dislike that word. I associate it with depends. And depends are like diapers. I associate it with all things that are un-American. 
I don't like being dependent. I want to earn my own way. I want to have my own stuff. I want to, I want to be valued because I, I, I contribute. That, that's part of my existence. That's who I am. And so it's hard for me. And yet here I am saying, okay, I've touched the love of Christ. I've seen I can't. I see I'm, I, I, I'm on my own. I'm a tiny ant. I'm going to get squashed by a huge foot of some major power principality, except God himself clothes me and, and empower, does all these amazing things for me and gives me the trust that he's done it. And I'm so dependent on him. And Paul writing about this armor, is pushing us in this direction to say, that's because you're dependent. Because this is part of the same sentence as he hits verse 18. So he says in verse 18, if I can get it to go, he says, okay, so praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Let's just stop right there. He says, okay, so along the lines that this whole armor has been in the Spirit, and the Spirit prompts this singing and melody and thanksgiving and quietness. He says, pray. So I'm holding this the sword, and I think I think what he should say is strike and go use the sword of the Spirit. Go stab somebody with it. Go get into their heart. Go convict them. Go, go act. And instead he says, okay, and you have holding on to this sword of the Spirit. You pray. I hope I hope that seems a little strange to you. I mean, I know prayer is important, but I don't think what he's saying is, okay, now that you have all these things, then we need to get some things done. So here's the way to do it. I don't think he's saying this is how you swing the sword. Because you know what prayer is, right? Especially this kind of prayer. This isn't, to me, describing every kind of prayer. He says prayer, and then he links it to supplications. It's almost like an ask God. And I'm saying, well... Of course that fits into what we're doing. Why? Because we're sitting here with no strength and no ability and nothing, and we're armored with God's clothing, and we have God's sword, and he says the main thing you need to do is to realize you have no strength. If you start thinking you do, it's like, I don't need this armor. Here I go. Because what's prayer? Prayer's me, little Dax, talking to God, massive king of the universe. What do I do when I pray? I ask him for stuff. Lord, please help my dad. Lord, please, please help my kids. Father, really like a new job. Dad, I want this. This is the, the supplication part of prayer, right? Asking God for stuff. And, and when I do that, what am I saying? I can't do it on my own. Like if I could do it on my own, I wouldn't need to pray. Not in the supplication sense. You know, I could pray and thank God. I can pray and do other kinds of prayer. But he says specifically, he says, pray and, and make supplication. Supplication means, Lord, please help. When I say, Lord, please help, I'm saying, you know what? I can't. That's where you need to live. If my whole life is standing here saying, all I have is this hope of God in Christ for me and I'm armored by him, then pray. Why am I praying? I'm acknowledging my, de- my dependence on him no matter what he wants to do. My trust is he loves me and he's going to do great things, but I don't know exactly what it's going to look like because I'm not God. He is. I'm a little thing. Amazed I have access to him. 
And sometimes we see prayer, so, you know, finally something I can do. If I pray really hard, I can get God to answer me. And so I start thinking, I'm going to take on this prayer task, and, and I'm going to do it and do it and do it. And because I knew I need to persevere in prayer, which is a good thing, but, but my thinking becomes exactly what Jesus actually critiqued people for. You know, Jesus went to the Pharisees and says, no. They think they're heard for their many words. That means they prayed a lot. Their idea was sort of like, hey, prayer is my task if I just do it and do it and do it and do it and do it. No, our idea, the idea you and I are working with right today, and even as we finish Ephesians, is this idea of I'm so dependent. I have no other hope than God. And when I see you, I don't see somebody who has great ability and is able to accomplish great things. I see somebody who is as desperately dependent as I am. And we see each other that way. Pray. God adores you. God adores me. God wants to be with you. God wants to be with me. It's part of the prayer, but the biggest part is this idea of dependence. And so express it. And that's going to do a couple of things. One is you're going to get to see what he does. And that's great for you if you really do say, Lord, help. And what I need and what I'd want is this. And then you get to see what, and you trust the God of the universe loves you. You get to see what he's going to do over time. And it may not be what you thought he would. And that's okay because you're actually dependent, not just using him. So Paul even says that for himself. Look what he says. He says, he says, pray also for me, you know, (laughs) actually to end 18. He says to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me to open my mouth boldly to the proclamation of the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Okay, this is so interesting. Don't lose it. I know. Eyes can glaze. We're getting to the end. But don't lose it. Why? Because this is what Paul even says. He says, you got the sword of the spirit standing there. It's the word of God. And then he says, please pray for me that the word of God would go out. I'm saying, Paul, just do it. No, he's saying, I even for the word of God to go out boldly, which is what I so desire, it's going to take God doing it. So would you too join with me in saying how dependent we are that the word would go out to this world? Paul's saying that as the guy who would take the word of God to us Gentiles. And, and I'm a descendant of Paul's ministry in some way, probably. And the billions of people through history that were used by Paul. And Paul's saying, it's not me. I'm just so dependent on God doing it. The thing that God says he wants to do. Okay, so what I'm trying to get you to see is that Paul himself even stands and says, you know what? It's not going to happen, Lord, unless you do it. And if the bold speaking comes, which he ought to do, it'll be the spirit. And this is the main offense that we have is that the word of God, the spirit at work, goes into hearts and does what God wants to do. You know, I can tell people all day, and you can too, of all the things they ought to do. I can tell people all day of the things they should be accomplishing. I can, I can till I'm blue in the face, tell them about how justice should happen and how fairness should mark us and how truth should be our banner. And I can tell you what you ought to desire in your family. I can tell you how you ought to be as a dad and a mom and a kid and a, and a husband and a wife and all of those things. Unless the Holy Spirit hits your heart, might as well be talking to a wall. Because we're not talking about getting your outside clean. We're talking about getting your heart 
soft. So we're so dependent on it, and we've got to stay knowing that that's our dependence, is the Holy Spirit at work with the Word of God in our hearts today. And then I want to give you one more thing, because that sounds a kind of bit like a downer. Like there's nothing you can do, stand there with the armor, be dependent, and go home. And I want to say no, 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 no. There's this amazing piece that I would call encouragement. This last piece is encouraged. Because it says in verse 21, it says this, it says, so that you may also... So that you also may know how I am how I am, and how I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose. You may know how we are and that he may encourage your heart. So I want to highlight this is a whole way of life that you and I have entered into. And it's against the world. And it says this. It says, instead of me thinking, I'm going to share with you the highlights as I earn my way and move my way up the ladder. It says, I'm over here dependent, armored by God with the sword. And I'm just, I'm just, I want to know what God's going to do. And so I'm willing to share with you everything. Okay, chew on that for a minute with me. I mean, he doesn't say he's going to share with you the highlights of my ministry. Because that's what I do. Say, hey, Dax, encourage me. I say, well, the Lord did this great thing yesterday, and then, and then I overcame this sin the day before, and then and I pick and I cherry pick what I think the Lord's doing. What is that coming from? That's coming from a point of me deciding what the Lord's doing. If instead what I am is standing here armored, and I don't even know, I know the Lord's at work, but my trust is the Lord's at work. Now I'm willing to say, you know what? I'll share with you everything. Hey, Dax, how are you? Well, I'm struggling with this, and I'm wondering what the Lord's going to do. I'm observing this, and it's, I'm, boy, this is a real struggle in my life. I'm, I'm, I don't know. My anger won't go away. And I did this, and, the, and you start sharing. And then the actual part of the ministry that you and I have is to encourage each other that though we are sinners and unable, we're still what? Standing. Because when I share with you that I'm, I'm struggling with sin, and yet I still trust, that means I'm still forgiven. I'm still standing, armored by God. And this is what Tychicus is doing. He's going to share with them everything. I'm going to share with you the good and the bad, the high and the low, everything, because this will encourage you that the real pathway of life that we have is an accomplishment and and striving and getting higher. You may have excellent things the Lord does through you that you can share that are highs. But I'll tell you what, your lows might be better to share because you're standing still in Christ and you have that. And your whole testimony is, no matter what, I'm God's. I will go as he goes. I will speak the truth. And and that's what he does there. And finally, he says this as he ends the whole letter in verse 23. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible this is amazing don't skip over it a lot of times the last thing okay fine fine fine. peace love grace good let's go home no 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 wait wait just for a minute peace right to you because jesus really brought it to you love with trust because the father really adores you because the messiah has shown it grace unearned favor be with all those whose eyes are open to this incredible truth and i can't but love because of the great love by which jesus has loved me you and I know it because we've tasted it. We're, we're nothing. We're dead in our sin. And we, this is what Ephesians has been about. Oh, the deep, deep, deep love of Christ. And therefore we love much. 
because we've tasted this incredible love of God. So there's hope today, not in better life here, not in using the armor to conquer the world, not in sort of a Christian life path that's sort of an onward Christian soldier, so let's march uphill, but in this idea that we remain, you and I, dependent all the way through. And I need encouragement from you. You need encouragement from me. That the truth of our life is that God himself in Christ armors us, protects us, loves us, uses us, and indeed, you are forgiven. It's finished forever. This is where we stand. That though we deserve death, we do. We are rescued. And this, we can take it home. We can treasure it in our heart. We are free. We will be used by him. So show your dependence, will you? Pray. And take this into your heart and know that the Holy Spirit may use even you in the proclamation of this great news to accomplish what he wants in this world that's passing quickly. That's Ephesians. Let's pray.